Good morning again, everyone. Special welcome to those of you in the traditional service or those of you joining us via broadcast. It's good for us to be able to study the Word of God together as a church family across our different styles of worship. And this morning, we're going to continue our Lent series called Because He Died, where we are exploring the meaning of Jesus' death on the cross for our lives today. And I hope you've been encouraged by these series, this series over the last few weeks as Pastor Steve has shared. And if you're new and joining us today to First Lutheran, you might be wondering, while there's a bag of golf clubs on, on the stage. That's not typical for a church, but it's the central analogy for this series as we've been talking about how this bag of golf clubs represents, um, the, represents an analogy for thinking about the cross. That just like playing golf, you need different clubs to keep moving the ball down the field. Uh, the cross helps us to keep moving down the game of life with God in different ways. And if we have a one-club understanding of the cross, we won't get very far in our life with God. And so if you haven't heard the first three messages, I'd encourage you to go online and check those out. Because over the last few weeks, we've been looking at how the cross can turn us from guilt to forgiveness. And from the sense of shame that we feel inside to a belonging with God and honor of living as his child and it's turned us to see that we can find freedom from the evil and the sin deep within our hearts. And this morning, we're going to be looking at how the cross can move us from a place of indifference to a place of compassion. And that's another reason why it's helpful for me to have the golf clubs up here, because honestly, I don't really care a whole lot about golf. I'm kind of indifferent about it. I played golf just a few times. I barely could even get the golf club out of the bag. That's how unfamiliar I am <laughs> with the sport. I've only played golf a, a few times, and I mostly make a mockery of the game. I enjoy the outside and having fun with my friends, but I'm just not very good at it. And honestly, if I had the free time to play, I'd rather do something else because I realize the amount of investment that it takes to become good at this game, the time and the energy and the resources that you have to put into it to become a good player at golf. I just don't have, I'm really kind of indifferent to the game and I can appreciate other people that love the sport if that's you. I can see why it's fun. Actually, when I've played golf, I've hit one good shot before, one. And when I hit that shot, I don't know if you've been new to golf before, but you, you hit the shot and the ball goes up and it lands right near the, cop, the cup and you think, I could do that every time. And you, you see why people invest so much in it and how, how fun the sport is. And I can appreciate that if you love the sport. But for me, I just don't really care. And I think that's a good... Yeah, that was funnier than I thought it was going to be. And I think that's a good place for us to start when we think about the message for today. Because the reality is, when we look around our world, a lot of people feel the same way about God and about church that I do about, God, about, about golf. A lot of people feel like, you know what? If you love Jesus and church, that's great for you. But for me, I don't really care. I'm really kind of indifferent. And we probably all have friends and neighbors and coworkers like that. That's great that you go to church. That's great that you go to First Lutheran, but it's not really for me. And I have a lot of compassion for people that are like that because growing up, you might have children like that right now. And growing up, I was that child. I, I was really indifferent towards church. I didn't care about it. I didn't understand why I should care about God. And I didn't care until someone gave me a reason to care. And so if you're here today out of respect for someone that invited you to come to, come to First Lutheran, we're so glad you're here. And I hope that you find out how much God cares about you today. 
And for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, we need to have a lot of compassion on those who might seem indifferent towards God. Because if we're honest, there are times in our lives when our hearts grow indifferent towards God, even though we know how much he loves and cares for us, especially in our lives when things don't go the way that we want them to, in our relationships, maybe even the ministries we're serving in, when things get difficult in our lives, or we feel like we're not making that much of a difference with the gifts we have to offer, our hearts can grow cold, indifferent, and we can become detached. And that's why I believe wherever we are in relationship to God, we need to take a good look at the cross today. Because it's on the cross where we see how much God cares about us. And I believe when we look at the cross and we see Jesus clearly there, it can move our hearts from a place from indifference to compassion. If you turn with me in the gospel today, in the passage that we read that was very short in Luke 19, we're going to look at that passage for a moment. And that passage is found on page, I've got it marked right here. Um, It's on page 1540, if you have your Bible with you. And uh, if the ushers want to bring a Bible around to anyone who needs them, you're welcome to do that. You could raise your hand if you need a Bible. This moment in Jesus' life shows us just how much God cares about his world. It's a moment where Jesus is about to ride into Jerusalem to celebrate Palm Sunday, where he's hailed as the King, the Messiah of the world. But when he rides into Jerusalem, we don't find him celebrating with the people that just praised him as the Messiah. We actually find him weeping. If you turn with me in Luke 19, 41, it says this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus doesn't celebrate as he comes into Jerusalem. He weeps over Jerusalem. Jesus has a broken heart for the state of his world and a broken heart for the state of Jerusalem in that time. You see, when you read the biblical story, you know that Jerusalem has always had a special place in God's plans. After God rescued his people from Egypt and bondage to slavery, he brought them into the promised land and he called them to establish the temple where his presence dwelt. It was the symbol and the place of worship that reminded the people that God had not given up on a world that rebelled away from him. A place where the nations were called to come and see the light and the laws of God. And when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, rather than celebrating as he enters into the city that he's supposed to call home, he weeps over it. Have you ever seen someone weep before? It's not a very comfortable experience. You can't see somebody weep and think they are indifferent. Weeping is this mixture of a deep anguish and anger and sadness and grief that comes from the core of our soul. It's the opposite of indifference. When Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, we see his heart breaking for the state of the world and the reality that we live in. And he weeps over Jerusalem because rather than people seeing it as a place that displays the light and the glory of God to the nations, it's a place that has become corrupt and shows the ugliness and indifference of men. And just after this moment, he actually goes into the temple and has a famous encounter where he clears the temple tables and overturns them. 
and says, I've called this place to be a house of prayer, but you've made it into a den of robbers. Jesus' heart is broken over the state of his place that's supposed to connect people to the living God. And he weeps over Jerusalem because he knows that the people there are unwilling to receive his care. That Jesus loves these people and longs to gather them together, as he says earlier in Luke, like a hen gathers chickens under his wings. But they're unwilling to receive his care. And he knows that their ultimate rejection of him will have real consequences for their lives. And he weeps over that. If you keep reading in Luke 19, you see the consequences that he spells out in the midst of his tears. He says, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And that's a very ominous passage, but it's historically accurate. That through his tears, Jesus could see that the people that he loved were going to face destruction. Because rather than seeing the beauty of what he came to do on the cross, they would continue to rebel against the kingdom of Rome and try to build their own kingdom. And and about 35 years after Jesus died, the emperor Vespasian sent an army that actually destroyed the city of Jerusalem, the temple, and killed thousands of people, and it was burned to the ground. And Jesus weeps over this. Jesus weeps over the destruction and the pain and the injustice and the rebellion of the people that he loves in his world. His heart is breaking in this moment. And we see that he is not indifferent. He's not indifferent to the pain and the brokenness and the struggle of this world. And I think one thing the Lord wants us to feel this morning is that his heart is grieving the state that the world is in, just like he grieved Jerusalem in this moment. God is not indifferent to the cries of this world. His heart breaks over it. And this is not the first time in the scriptures that we see God's grief. In the book of Genesis, just after he created his people to live in fellowship with him and reflect his beauty and goodness in the world, we know they fell and they left the garden and quickly the whole earth became corrupt. And the the Bible says that it became so corrupt that God grieved in his heart creating his people. You can read this in Genesis chapter 6. It says this, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. It was deeply grieved. And so we know how the story goes. It actually makes for a pretty interesting movie that you could see in the theaters right now. That God decided that he would start over and send a flood. And he would give humanity a new chance. But it wasn't before the destruction of humankind as they knew it happened. Through the flood that he sent through creation. God is brokenhearted over the level of corruption and the wickedness that exists on the earth. And we might wonder why God would do that, but we can remove ourselves from seeing the level of brokenness and pain and struggle in the world, but God sees all of it all the time. He sees all of the injustice. He sees all of the immorality. 
He sees all the pain that we inflict on each other, and it grieves his heart. And you see in this moment that Jesus' heart is grieving. It's broken over the state of the world, and he wants us to feel that this morning. Jesus is not indifferent to the cry of the world and the state that we find ourselves in. Have you ever had a moment where your heart was awakened to the reality of the need of the world around you? I think a lot of people in our congregation have been awakened to the reality of need in the world more by going to Haiti. And they, they have an encounter where we come outside of our comfort zone of here in White Bear Lake, and you see the reality of poverty and spiritual darkness on a level that we don't often see we can be immune from on a day-to-day basis here. And I know that's an eye-opening experience for people to see that level of need and, and poverty in the world if you've never seen it before. And I don't say that to scare you off from going. I actually want to encourage you to go because what God is doing there is amazing to push back the darkness and to bring hope to the hungry. And he's involving our church in the great things he's doing there. And people have amazing experiences when they go to Haiti. I know my eyes were open when I went. I, I tend to be a bit of a human jungle gym when I go into villages and children tend to come to me from every direction. And while I was in Haiti last year, a group of kids came up to me in this village, and one of my favorite things to do with children in general is to pick them up and throw them in the air. And so this line of kids was there, and I picked them up, I threw them in the air, pick them up, throw them in the air. I picked this one kid up, and I throw him in the air, and I realized he has no pants on. <laughs> no pants, no underwear. And in that moment, I'm really glad that he, yeah, he, I was just really glad. <laughs> that I could catch him and then put him down and nothing bad happened. <laughs> but I realized in that moment, we live in a world with kids with no pants. We, we don't see that every day here. And in a different way, I was on a vacation a few weeks ago to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. And it was a great trip that we got to take to Mexico. The sun was beautiful. And we had a great time uh, reflecting on our first 10 years of marriage and dreaming about our next 10. And I got to get up every morning and go for a run. And I was running down the beach. Uh, as I went about half a mile down the beach uh, to another resort, I hopped up onto another embankment and I kept running. And I saw this man walking out from his villa and I realized he had no pants on. <laughs> we live in a world with people with no pants. And what I realized is that this man could choose to wear no pants. He had enough money to go to a nudist resort. And it was highly uncomfortable. I ran really fast <laughs> past that resort. But as I was running, I realized we live in a world with incredible need and incredible immorality. We live in a world where some people can't afford to wear pants and some people have enough money to choose to wear pants if they want to. And that's the reality of the world that we live in. And the Lord sees all that. He sees the great need, and he sees the great immorality. And the amazing news of Jesus is that rather than wipe us out like he did in the days of Noah, that he came to show compassion to this broken, hurting world. That Jesus is the face of God's compassion and his care. That Jesus came from heaven to earth not to condemn the world, but to save it. And throughout his life, you see this amazing compassion, the kind of compassion that 
cared for the poor and the broken and the hurting, that welcomed the outcast and gave sinful people, greedy and immoral people, a reason to change by the way that God loved them and the care that they experienced through his life. Jesus was showing us a reason to care. He was showing us how much God cares about this world, that he doesn't just stay in heaven weeping and grieving over it. His heart is broken and moved with compassion to offer healing and hope to us. And throughout his life, Jesus didn't want to just show us that God cared. He wanted to share his heart of compassion with his followers. He was constantly trying to involve them in his work and to move their hearts from a place of indifference to compassion for the needs of the world. I want to take you to one moment where we see this in particular in the Gospels today. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. It's another famous passage of Scripture. It says this, When Jesus heard what had happened, and what had happened was his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. Tragic moment in his life. Grieved it deeply. So he went away. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place because he knew that he could always take his grief and his pain to his Father in heaven who loved him. And hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And so even in his grief and his pain of his own loss, Jesus cared about the needs of others and had compassion on them. And as it got late, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And the disciples in this moment, they see the needs of the crowd and they see it getting late and they don't have food to care for them. And so they say, they get overwhelmed. They say, Jesus, we can't care for all these people. Send them away. We can't help these people. And I think that's what happens to us when we begin to look around honestly at the needs of the world and the brokenness and the level of need and immorality in the world around us, we think, how can we do anything about this? Lord, just send them away. And if the Lord can't do anything about the needs of the world, we might as well just take up golf and just invest our energy and our own comfort. Maybe just check out and go to a beach in Mexico for the rest of our life. Maximize our pleasure, and minimize our pain, remove ourselves from the needs of the world. But Jesus showed them that he had the power to do something about the needs of these people. And he wanted to involve them in how he was going to bring about his compassion. Here's what happens. Jesus says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they say to him, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, there's thousands of people here. How can these little gifts that we have make any difference in the immense amount of need out there in the world? And I think we wonder the same thing. How can the little gifts that I have, the little bit of resources, the energy and the time that I have when I feel like I'm already overwhelmed with the needs of my own schedule make any difference in the brokenness of the world around us? And here's what Jesus says. He says, bring them to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 
The number of those who ate were about 5,000 besides women and children. Jesus is showing his disciples something amazing in this moment, that he wants to show his compassion through their lives. As they bring to him the little gifts that they have, they feel like can't make any difference. He wants to do something beyond what we could ask or imagine with those to meet the needs of the hurting world around us. And he's showing his disciples not to be indifferent, not to detach and remove ourselves from the suffering of the world, but to bring our gifts to him and allow him to multiply them to meet the needs of the hurting world around us. The followers of Jesus are called to be people that are filled with the same kind of compassion that Jesus has for our world. He wants us all to share in this amazing story that he's writing to bring his hope and healing and compassion to our world. And that's good news. And I think we see that in a little way by different things that we do in our church family. If you just look out in the front lobby, you'll see four carts of things that are just collecting. Uh, the littlest things that you saw in the video, packs of ketchup and food that are going to be a blessing to those in need right here in our community. But when, a f- when, the, when everyone in our community pitches in and contributes the little bit that they have, we're able to do far more. Jesus is able to multiply that to meet the needs of those right here in White Bear Lake. You see that just in the, in the little offering of somebody's time to go down to Haiti. They offer the little bit of money and time they have to go down there, and they make a difference in what Jesus is doing, and Jesus multiplies their work to expand his kingdom efforts in that place. You see that in the way that people volunteer their time right here in our church to volunteer at funerals and to volunteer to spend time with our children and our youth that many of them haven't found a reason to care about God yet. And sometimes our children and youth can be really indifferent and really anti-being led by those of us in the church. But we offer our heart and we offer our time and we offer our love And Jesus uses that to do big things, to meet the needs of hundreds of kids, to know how much God loves them right here, just in our church. And as we give our tithes and offerings, the little bit, just the first fruits of what God's given us, God uses those little gifts, those little offerings to come together to preach the gospel to thousands right here in White Bear Lake. And I believe Jesus wants to give us a kingdom vision of expanding what we think he can do with the gifts that we have. Rather than being indifferent and detached, Jesus wants us to see that he can use what we have to meet the needs of this world. But at the same time, Jesus wants us to see that he not only wants us to care about the needs of this world, but he wants us to know how much he cares about him. That didn't say that right. He wants us to know how much he cares about us. He wants us to know that he came for you and for me. And I think sometimes the reason why we are indifferent towards giving of our gifts to God, we're indifferent to offering our voices in worship, is we just don't know how much God loves and cares for us. And that's why we need to see Jesus really clearly on the cross. Because our ultimate hope is not in us sharing our gifts, but in Jesus sharing his life in breaking his body open out of compassion for you and for me. It's on the cross that we see the demonstration of God's love for the world. In Romans 5.8, Paul says this, 
For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus knows that there are moments in all of our lives when we wonder if God cares about us, when our hearts grow indifferent and cold towards God and each other in our lives. And the place that we can turn to find that God does care about us is not our feelings, is not an emotional experience. It's to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because on the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus stands there saying, I came for you. I've called you by name. I died for you. I gave my life because I care about you. And you can turn to me to find my love and my care, to move your heart out of indifference, to find a compassion and a love that you didn't have before. And I know in my life, I didn't care about God until I knew how much he cared about me. And a youth leader had the compassion on me to spend time with me and to invite me to go to a youth camp when I was just a punk teen. Didn't care really much about anybody besides myself. And he invited me to go to this camp. And even though I had grown up in church, I had, the message of the cross hadn't penetrated my life and my heart. And it was in that moment when I heard the speaker sharing about what Jesus had done, that he had come to demonstrate his love for sinful people and to give his own life because he wanted to be in a relationship with me and that he invited me just to surrender my heart to him and to receive him into my life. And I remember responding to that invitation and not knowing at all what it meant, except for I knew God cared about me and receiving a love that I just didn't have before absolutely changed my life. It melted my heart. It gave me a compassion for those around me that I just didn't have before. And maybe for you, you've been coming to church all your life, or maybe it's one of your first times at church, and you haven't heard the good news that God came for you, that he died on the cross for you, and that he wants to be in a relationship with you, and fill your heart with the love that doesn't come from us, but comes from God. And I want you to know that you can receive that love this morning. You can receive that care into your heart. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you feel like your heart is kind of indifferent. It's kind of cold. There's not much passion. Maybe you feel like you're going through the motions. I remember hearing a story about a minister named Brennan Manning when I was in my early 20s. And I read a book he wrote called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And he shared a story about serving in the ministry for years and years and feeling dry and weary and without passion inside. And then on a spiritual retreat, alone one night, he was in a, a cave by himself, actually, and he looked at a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross, and he just began to meditate on that. And it finally hit him that the message that he was sharing for other people, that God did that for him, that God loved him that much, that he gave his life for him, and that, that love melted his heart and gave him a new message to share with a joy and a compassion he didn't have before. And maybe that's more where you are. Because I've found that the cross is not meant to be just a one-time conversion experience, but we're called to look to the cross throughout our whole life to find the compassion and the strength to say no to the immorality of the world, to deny ourselves and take up our own cross, to have our hearts be filled with a love that we just don't have. Jesus is here standing here, knocking on the door of our hearts, saying, I did this for you. Come to me. Come to me. I love you and want to fill you with a love that you don't have. We see that Jesus demonstrates his love for us on the cross. And we see 
that the cross changes the way that we treat each other. Jesus longs for his church to be a cross-shaped community where we show the same kind of compassion to each other and the world around us that Jesus came to show us. That we would share that love out of the overflow of what he has done in our hearts. And that rather than try to control and condemn one another, that we would show compassion to one another. And so this morning, I want to close by just reading a passage of Scripture over you. And I want to just invite you to close your eyes and allow this to minister to your heart. Because we need to know that God has called us to care about this hurting world, that his heart is broken over it, and he wants to share that heart with us. And that starts with us knowing that we've been called into a community that's centered on his love and compassion for you and for me. I'm going to read this. It comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, he was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.